Welcome to Literary License Podcast Retrospective of Batman, the animated series, and the new adventures of Batman and Robin, where we explore four episodes from the classic 90s television show. Literary License Podcast, and it's Season 7, and we're doing Batman the Animated Series. And, of course, let's find out who's with us. We got Sean Steffen with us. Hello, Sean. Hey, everybody. Joe Randazza with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to, starting with you, Sean. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh, well, I've been working a lot lately. I uh, haven't really been watching too many movies. I uh, I did start watching Ahsoka a little bit. Uh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's on in terms of what Star Wars has been putting out. It's been very miss than hit. Uh, this is closer in the terms of Mandalorian. It feels like they're kind of um regaining some of that structure that they had and i'm interested in in how uh the story is being told the issue that i have with the series is the length of the episodes i think that's what because i am every review i'm reading it seems like it's one of two things either people love the show or people hate the show saying it's boring and wasting time and the first two episodes hit it out of the park and it felt like it was a great uh first movie in a trilogy and then the second two episodes were about a half hour each. And it feels like they're built it like the middle. It feels like the first two are its own thing. The next four are going to be its own thing. And then the last two are probably going to be its own thing. I, it feels like maybe they're going to do it that way, just in how these episodes are going, because it feels almost like they're treading water, but they're not. They're, they're, they're moving the story along, but because it's so short, and not enough happens between episodes three and four. I think that like everybody's, they're already putting up the pitchforks and the torches on them and ready to burn it down. And I think it's, they got something special here. I think uh, even though I've never seen rebels and I've never seen the clone wars, I've never, I've never bothered with any of the animated shows. I've never, I, everyone tells me they're great. I'm going to eventually probably look into them one day. I know what happens on Rebels. I've seen enough videos on YouTube to get caught up. But uh, yeah, I I think that that's, it's, if you're not in the position like I am where you're watching the YouTube videos and following along with everything that's going on, you might be lost. Because it feels like this is its own thing trying to carry the Mandalorian story while also um, doing or being season five to Star Wars Rebels. And so that that's that's really my only criticism. That is, it needs to be more um, uh, ex- acceptable and digestible for the non-animated uh, uh, series watchers or the uh, the Filoni-verse, I'll just call it, because it seems to be all a Dave Filoni's uh, brainchild. But yeah. the show itself is interesting, and I like the, the themes that they're doing in it. Other than that, I went to a wrestling match last week, and that was fun. But 
ultimately that's that's my big issue with all the with all the Disney properties because even when I was following the Marvel stuff and I was like, yeah, let's go to every movie. These are awesome, and then it just became just tiring because there's just so much out there. And I, yeah. I think you you uh, you told me you were you know you were on vacation visiting your aunt and yeah. Uh, you went to see Doctor Strange, and you had to basically give her a synopsis of WandaVision so she would understand what's going on in Doctor Strange. And I'm like, you, when you get to that level where it's like, yeah. I gotta watch these 35 movies, then these five TV series, and then it just it's too much. And not um, to mention, just... WandaVision was the show that I think broke you completely with the MCU because mm -hmm. because uh, you you were done. But you had heard good things. Everybody, it wasn't just me. Everybody yeah, was raving about WandaVision. I am angry at everybody that told me to check out WandaVision. <laughs> the first, the first like, the five first or six episodes have nothing to do with the main story. And I was like, yeah. this is just bullshit that's just fluffing it. And, and as it turns out, those are the, those are the most entertaining. And that's the most entertaining part of the series. Yeah. Just the fucking rest of it's a slog. So, oh my God. If, if, to, if, to make your series palatable, you have to add six episodes that add nothing to the story. You shouldn't have done it in the first place. Agreed. I mean, I think I think with WandaVision, I think that it probably went down to when they recommended it. Because I I think I recommended it for based on the first three or four episodes. Yeah, I was and the first like, two or three for me, yeah. And I go, oh, you have to watch this. This is really quite fun. Then after that, I was like, oh, this is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I remember re recommending it. And then after that, it's like I stopped recommending it because then I saw like, <laughs> at the end, it was like, no. I, I didn't mean to call out anybody specifically because a lot of people recommended it to me. And that's the thing. Like, a lot of people did. It. it wasn't. That's why I said, I'm like, it wasn't just me. A lot of people recommended that show. I waited and, until I waited until one day and I had the whole day off. <laughs> the whole day to myself, and I watched it, and I'm like, I just wasted an entire day of my life, and I'm never getting it. Back. And that is also part of the problem with the Disney, the Disney Plus shows, is they should be designed to be binged. They are written to be binged. Uh, Secret Invasion is crap if you let it go week to week. If you digest that thing in three to four hours, it's a lot easier to consume. Certain, it's because you're not waiting a week, and then that's all I got. This is all we get. This is all we got this week. No, it's part of the overall story. You get it in the form of an hour and five minutes of television, or, or hour and five minutes of a movie instead of two weekly episodes. It, it's it's one of those things where you can. If I think that they were going to do that with Echo before, I, apparently everything has been delayed till next year except Loki. That's the last thing that's coming out this year with Marvel. But Echo was going to be released all at once, and it was going to be like four. It started off as eight, then it went down to six. I've heard it's four. I don't know ex exactly how, if that's true or not, but I've heard possibly four episodes all in the course of one day. And if that's so, maybe the show will be uh, good to, you know, it, a lot easier to consume for some people. Uh, so who knows? I also find with Disney, since they acquired Fox, sometimes I'm wondering if they're doing that, what Fox TV does now. And, the, and I call it the American Horror Story formatting, where it's like, great at first two episodes and spirals down to this abyss. And then the last three episodes, great. 
And it's like, and I've noticed that most of the Disney series are kind of going like the kind of doing this like first episode, okay, good, okay, try two, okay. Then three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. It's like you're down in this abyss, like, oh, I can't stick with this. And then of course, if you do stick with the last two or three episodes, like, okay, yay, the last three are great. You know, but yet it kind of goes because it's kind of like they got too many episodes for what they want to do. So there's a lot of filler. Yeah, so you have feel- the big the big penultimate episode to set up everyone for the finale, but it, especially yeah, after winding them down all season. I, I yeah. feel I feel like with traditional TV, kind of, almost in a way going the way of the dodo here. I feel like that should have stopped because I I, I understand when it was traditional TV and you got to fill a you know a you know how however many episodes you got to fill a thirteen episode year you know a season. Or whatever. Are, well, it used to be twenty four episodes per year. Yeah. 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 Twenty two to twenty. Yeah. Well, twenty four to twenty four. But yeah, twenty two. But it feels like we're still stuck in that thing where it's like, no, it has to be, has to be twelve, thirteen episodes, regardless of if the story, you know, only fits into four episodes. Well, now it's cutting to less. Now, now it's eight episodes because they want to. That would really that would have really helped Jessica (laughs) Jones. uh, You know, five six years ago would. Uh, if they would have uh, cut that one down to eight episodes instead of twelve, because I remember there were parts that were thirteen. I, was like, okay, the, well, I would have given them ten. I would have given them ten. Because there were there were parts where, with that with that one in particular where I was like, you really did not need anything that just happened in this episode. Yeah. It really felt like it was just stretching and padding it out because we have to get it to twelve or thirteen. And, and you know, it, to me, it was. Like you don't need that anymore. You don't have to fill that anymore. You could just, especially if you're Netflix and you're dropping everything in one day anyway. Then what does it matter? My Flanagan does that. I, I haven't started those yet. I, I was going to start a couple of them uh, this season. Are they? I uh, I, I, I I've been Yeah, because what happens is I watched his last two series, and he's got the new one coming out. I think next week. I think. I think it's uh, House of Usher this time. Yeah, and I have mm-hmm. to sit there and say that I watched them. I binge them. I watch the first two. I fall asleep for like three episodes. And I wake up and it's good. And then I try to catch up on what I fell asleep in. And I was like, I've, I've probably, I've, I've probably done well falling asleep <laughs> because they just kind of go down into this like really weird, like uh, treading water. It's like, come on, it's like you're dropping it. You don't need to do that. And it's Netflix anyway. It's not like you need to like fill an eye gap in in um. It might have been Netflix forcing them to, you know, we got it. We got to have this many episodes. Yeah, but you know, if they cut it, if they cut it down to like five or eight, that's going to save Netflix money because it'd be less money spent on the series. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. There seems seems to be a lot, and I mean, it's very rare that you get. I mean. I don't mind if it dips down a little bit because they're giving you like back backstory or something like that that's going to pay off later. So when you yeah. don't get anything and it doesn't pay off at all, you know, kind of okay. That I just watched a bunch of stuff that doesn't make doesn't care. I don't care. Well, it's like when we watched uh, Salem's Lot a couple months back, the the seventy eight version for you know a movie that's or a miniseries that's essentially or three three hours long it was actually pretty tight. There were some parts where, of course, it's going to drag a little bit, but. For the most part, it felt pretty tight. Why do we have to make these things 10, 12, 13 episodes when, especially now, we can condense it to four, to eight? I mean, if it has to go in broadcasting, you know, for like on network television, you know, yeah. 
they might have 13 weeks that they need to fill in. That makes sense, you know. Okay, we need got 13 weeks. But if you got if it's made for streaming, there's no reason for that. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember yeah. uh, even uh Kingdom Hospital, I remember enjoying that. And that that ran like I think like 13 weeks. But it's been a long time since I've seen that. I don't remember that ever ever like getting like really bad like dragging. No, I just remember Andrew McCarthy looking like he was constipated through most of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a Stephen King take on Lars von Trier, so it's yeah. I watched the original of that as well at one point. I did watch the original too. I do not remember much about it though. I, I watched it a long time ago, like probably when it first came out in the late 90s. So it's been like 25 30 years since I've seen it now. So yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen it to be honest. It's it's interesting. I I remember bits and pieces. I don't remember the whole thing. I don't even remember the real re- why why everything was going on the way it was either. It's kind of weird. The the American version had a couple of spinoff uh, TV movies too, from what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I if you want if you want to see the Stephen King version, I, I I have it on DVD. I'll check it out with you. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's uh, Craig Baxley, the director of. Um, I come in peace, Stone Cold, and all that stuff. Uh, Director of Stone Cold and I come in peace. All right, (laughs) sold. I knew if I I knew if I mentioned those, (laughs) Uh, you you led with the winners. I feel bad. I I do feel bad, and I I owe you one too because I I I forced this poor man to watch the Flash this week. I uh, that was Uh, my uh, I I, Joe. What did what did wasted my whole morning. Wasted like my whole just, morning. And you got to see Ezra, the gro- the groomer, <laughs> Miller. Uh, <laughs> no, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to see three Ezra Millers in this movie. Because <laughs> one isn't annoying enough. I got three oh, Ezra no. Millers in this movie. Uh, the thing about yeah. Ezra is that the first 15 minutes of the movie are fun. And it yeah. sets a good tone. I, I genuinely like the movie from that point. And there and the frustrating thing is, and, I, and Joe and I have both agreed, there's a good movie in there somewhere. Uh, and the major <clears> problem <throat> would be if you didn't have Ezra Miller playing the Flash. And, if anyone else was playing the Flash, anyone at all, and I and understand and understand that I'm not judging this based on what he did though. What you know, everything everything Ezra Miller did, total scumbag. Ezra Miller could save a school bus full of orphans that was falling off a bridge. And I will still say he was the most annoying thing in this movie. This is completely separate of everything Ezra Miller's done. He's he not- says that he says that knowing that he did save a uh, a whole uh, pediatric wing of babies falling out of the, out, out of the <laughs> in building. In the movie. In the in movie. The building. I, I he, meant he did do that. But yeah, yeah. I meant if Ezra Miller in real life. Ah, yes, yes. Saved a bu- a bus full of orphans that was about to fall off a bridge, and while he was curing cancer, I'd still look at this movie and be like, Ezra Miller is annoying as hell as Barry that's... Allen. And then he plays an even more annoying version of Barry Allen oh. that's interacting with the already annoying version of Barry Allen. And then they meet a third version of Barry Allen. Oh. I'm Yeah, I don't want to... Uh, no... Oh. I also find that if you're going to play a superhero, I think you have to be a bit bulky, I think. I don't know. I mean, I look at Ezra Miller going, I could beat the shit out of you. So it's really hard to look at someone you can beat the shit out of thinking, oh, he's a superhero. I don't yeah, know. I mean, and and uh, I know, you know, I know that we should, you know, look at, I know we should look at the weakling and, you know, think of that they're, they're a lot stronger than what they are, but he's just weedy. He's just, 
But then again, I think the only thing I've seen him that he was halfway decent in, and he's not in it that often, is we need to talk about Kevin. I've never, yeah. I've still never seen that, so I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll loan it to you. You should see it. It's a great Tilda Swinton movie. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's. I'm with you on that. His great. He does have a great performance in that. But yeah, it's very limited. Uh, I he's best in small doses. I, yeah. I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and, and there's a triple dose of him in this. Yeah, this that's the or them, 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 them. From what I, uh, from everything, people close I, to I, Ezra, they all say that that's bullshit, and and that Ezra doesn't really care about it. But for the purposes yeah. of everything, I'll I'll say they them. I'll, I'll I think a lot of those celebrities who are jumping on this bandwagon and are doing it because they think it makes them popular a little bit. It's a bit like Sam Smith. I think it's because uh, he's not, you know, I think um, for whatever reasons. Um, and I, 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 mean, I, don't, I don't care how they, I don't care how someone lives their life. They can live their life any way they want to. But I find that when people stop buying his music, that's when he became a... T- a Twitter social media darling when it's like all this, you know, and that's when all not now he's not he's not known for his music anymore. He's known for his pronouns and he's known for his weird get-up clothing. But it kind of like, you know, I would kind of wish that he I because he's got a good voice and he had good music. But it'd be nice if he was known for his music, the his yeah. songs he's coming out with, because that's what that's what his job is. I mean, and Ezra Miller, I kind of wondering if it wasn't for his ranting on about how he identifies as, maybe he should be instead of worrying about how people are identifying, maybe he needs to go for some acting classes, maybe, and then and all the <laughs> and, all, and all the and all the horrible all. antics, all the horrible antics from you know from all from all um, yeah from everything Do- documented I, on video and and reported yeah from all reports a really shitty human being. Say what you want. You, we all everything's alleged. He did choke slam a woman on video in, in Iceland or Norway or where, wherever the hell it was. But yeah, I mean, he it, that's the guy. He Ezra's kind of off the rocker, and I, I, the whole time I remember watching it with Joe, I said this movie would be a hell of a lot better if they just had Grant Gustin in it or anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, like anyone at all would be better a better flat a Barry Allen. And it's, and it's a flash. And it's a flash. They literally could have had Barry Allen go into go into a universe, get killed, and you have the other version of Barry Allen show up. They could have. And the they fu- could have easily done that. But I really don't. Fu- think, yeah, I don't think Ezra Miller is a box office draw anyway. Is he? No. Uh, well, no, I mean, the, movie the anti movie flopped, doing horribly on streaming. Doing uh, in terms of uh, sales on streaming, went on HBO Max the same day that it w- uh, it was released on in stores. Apparently, they told the stores, you know, it, the day and date is Tuesday. You could just, if you have your copies, just put them up on the shelves. Now we we really just do whatever you can. But and it's not doing well on HBO Max as well. So I mean, or Max. So it's one of those things where it's a quadruple loser. Nobody but, wants to watch this movie. But all this talk about Ezra Miller takes away from the fact that the movie itself is just god-awful. No movie made for this much money should look this bad. The, there is, the effects are awful, and I don't care what Andy Muschietti says, they were not intentionally bad. You don't spend $200 million on a movie to make it look like someone's fucking high school project. 
That sounds, it sounds a bit like the makers of Starfield because Starfield's been released on Xbox. Oh God! Um, it's I play I, play, I start playing it. It's it's impressive. I'm playing I'm it like, too. It's, I'm, it's I'm, little, I'm like three like hours out. in. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. It's like out. Fallout. You're gonna have glitches. You're gonna have all the issues that yeah, you normally do with the Bethesda game. But apparently, not, there's a lot of planets that have nothing on them. Apparently, yes. Which is going. And and so their their feedback was. Well, in real life, planets, most planets are not habited anyway. So it kind of kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> oh, Todd. Todd Howard, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, but, but, that's, but, that, but, but that's my main takeaway from The Flash is let's not get bogged down in, how, in, in the horrible things that Ezra Miller has done outside in real life. Let's focus on the fact that the movie itself is utter shit. And you like, there's no excuse for a two hundred and fifty million dollar movie to look the way this does to 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 be this plotting and boring. Well, that's well. The problem was they went through this movie was originally went into pre production. I want to say a year after uh, Batman v Superman. So this thing has been in the has been in the works for years now, almost a decade. And in that decade, they've gone through, what, three regime changes over at Warner Brothers? And it felt like any time they had a problem that needed fixing or anything that they wanted to do in a different generation, hey, we could just do this. Hey, we could bring back Henry Cavill and we could do Black Adam and we could do, hey, James Gunn's working with Peacemaker. Hey, we're get in the Flash. We'll put put it in the Flash and we'll just reboot everything. It's like Little Nicky. The, it's like the Adam Sandler movie, Little Get in the Flash, Get in the Flash. Every that you got a problem, Get in the Flash. You're gonna every, everyone's getting in the Flash, and that's and that's what they kind of hope for. And by the end of the Flash, uh, I kind of want to. I don't want to spoil it, but spoilers. Sorry, turn off for 15 seconds. Uh, George Clooney is your Batman, and George Clooney has no intention of coming back. So I don't know what the fuck that they just did there. I don't know what they're doing with this. If Ezra's in a world with george clooney then this makes no sense especially since it, it i don't know it really does feel feel like we got to wrap up everything from the old regime we're going to use this movie as a way to explain why some people might stick around jason momoa i'm looking in your direction and why others may not henry cavill and ben affleck i'm looking in yours and they and they kind of wanted to just give a reason for that but everything going forward is going to be different. But by doing that, you've kind of told your audience, yeah, none of this matters, so you don't need to go see it. How about we just make a good fucking movie? Well, actually, I understand when it comes to DC anyway, Christopher Nolan kind of gave them a template. Yeah. Yeah. So why not stick to that template? Well, now James Gunn apparently doesn't like the Nolan movies. Well, James James doesn't like the Nolan movies or the Jordan movies. I, I I did see the last Guardians of the Galaxy film, and it's good to see them back. It doesn't a lot of fucking CGI though, for fuck's sake. It's like, is there any place where are, are there? Do they build sets for that movie at all at, at any time? Because everything <laughs> looks like it's a CGI'd around them all the time to the point where it kind of get it gets a bit blurry and messy. Some of the action scenes, so you go like, what the hell's going on? And I love the characters. Don't get me wrong. And I thought this, I thought there's some good stuff in the script and stuff like this. And it's, it's you know it's, it's sad to see it go. Gun writes with heart. He does write with a lot of heart. But if I do compare it to the other two Guardians, I can't. I know, as far as the look and everything goes, 
and they just seemed a bit a little bit more stronger as far you know with i'm talking this whole package yeah. where this one, for yeah. me i i mean I, I you know i like the story and stuff like this i can't say that and i can't say anything about the performances but god forbid the cgi kind of just took over at all times the point where it's just like it just looked like a lot of times you could just it, it almost looked like they were all standing in front of a green screen through the whole movie it's <laughs> like what's going yeah. on and that's just a major issue i have with a lot of movies now is they don't is they just look objectively worse because they just overdo it with cgi and there's yeah. just build some fucking sets well, it seems like they- in front of them well, you got one of two things. You either have the overuse of CGI or you do the digital dome where you're building sets inside of those and then they and they just put the, the backgrounds in them from that. Yeah, and don't you, do that either. They both look like well, shit. Well, that's the thing. You don't want these inflated budgets where, where you're going to be sending people to, you know, shutting down Paris streets. Yeah. I mean, Look at John Wick. We were, we we just we both saw John Wick four. We both love John Wick four, but it's painfully obvious in the final scene that they are on a green screen because with that sun with that sunset in the background. Because I don't know if it's just the way that the sunset looks, but or the sunrise rather, as the sun is rising, it just looks so fake with their but with their uh, bodies in the uh, juxtaposed with the now? background. But is it cheaper because these CGI films and everything that they're filming that way seem to be coming up to a lot more budgety they have, more money than it was when they were doing stuff on location. They yeah. have the technology to make it cheaper. The problem is with the case of a lot of the Marvel shows, they're reshooting them two, three times. And that's what's inflating the budget is going back and going back to the well and saying, well, we didn't like the way this came out. How about let's just redo the story this way? Uh, well, actually, let's reshoot it one more time and combine the two stories. Well, now you've just inflated a budget to a $250 million thing where in your, your, most of your shots are in a fucking warehouse. It makes yeah. no sense. And, I, and, and I'm sorry, that, that's, I mean, that's not a good excuse because as we know, Steven well, we Spielberg, have our theories. A fucking shark that didn't fucking work, and he was able to cut around to it to make that movie work. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have, I have my own theories. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get and myself or the show sued. But uh, uh, I don't think all the money is going where it is says it, it's is going. Is it? Yeah, the, think, the, the John Cleese theory. No, I yeah. think it's. I think it's government contract situation, where basically it's like they join up with some CGI company. Thinking, okay, this is a government contract per se, so we can double charge them. Well, what, from what I understand with the CGI studios, they're all undercutting each other to to get the jobs because they're being forced to. They're looking well, for everyone's underbidding each other, and that's the reason why the CGI everyone's under, going, overworked and underpaid. Well, it's probably going to the board then. That's the money's going to the boards. That's what everyone is. Well, I mean, there's currently a lawsuit going around uh that I, about with uh the disney shareholders and mainly the board of directors that possibly whenever their shares dropped below a certain val- uh valuation all these board members would immediately invest to prop the numbers back up and there's some lawsuits going on around th- about that right now well that surprised me and the, there's with Disney, I mean, Hollywood's like, always been known for his, the Hollywood know, accounting. Yes, every, everyone knows about Titanic. Still, Titanic still hasn't made its money back. Go figure. <laughs> Neither is Star Wars. That's the infamous David Prowse story. Star Wars is always in the red when it came to paying David Prowse residuals. But it's right. kind of the John Cleese thing. John Cleese, uh, yeah, 
says that he he asked a producer once, why is it that the mid-level budget stuff has disappeared? Why don't we see any any uh you know mid-level budget stuff anymore? Why is it always two hundred million dollars? And the producer replied, because it's easier it's easier to make uh, it's easier to steal a million dollars from a two hundred million dollar movie than it is to steal a million dollars from a ten million dollar movie. Yeah. There's well, I, I also think that maybe maybe has to do with um the produ- Mel Brooks, the producers, where maybe they make more money when they don't make money. Well, that, well, there, there's a, there's a cottage industry there of the, uh, uh, the tax write-off movies. Which, if we ever, if we ever decide to delve into some of those uh, direct-to-video yeah. movies in the '90s, they were made on Caribbean rum money, where companies last would go res- last resort. Yeah, National Lampoon's Last Resort. National Lampoon's Last Resort. Uh, Corey Haim literally has a Captain. Uh, no, no, a Bacardi. A Bacardi tattoo. The Bacardi logo tattooed on him. <laughs> Captain Morgan is the name of one of the characters. Like, come on, man. <laughs> well, another thing that's quite weird with blockbusters, anyway, is that let's face it, blockbuster blockbusters are made for the younger generation because they're the ones that apparently go to the movies. They've always been, even in, even in the eighties, they were like that in the nineties, and so on and so forth. So it makes you kind of wonder that if you're going to reboot something for an expensive amount of money, Indiana Jones, we're looking at you. Why would a younger generation be interested in Indiana Jones when they haven't really seen the originals? Yeah. Because, I mean, I can safely say that dating someone who's significantly younger (laughs) is great for me because I'm watching all the old classics again. But... You know, he de- he's never seen Back to the Future. He's never seen Indiana Jones. He's never seen any of that stuff. I was going to say Ghostbusters. There's a new sequel and there's another one coming out. They're yeah. cl- clearly, I mean, they're trying to get the younger audiences with them, but they're clearly designed for older, for the people, because they don't, the younger exactly. audiences haven't seen Ghostbusters. What's, what's because, it's because they're also afraid to take a chance on anything new. But mm, even, it's kind of a double. They, they would make more of a chance going on something new and looking for something for that younger generation to get into, than try to keep rebooting something that the younger generation's like that's that's old. But I now, you, but now you're getting to 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 what I say, which is you know that you know if uh, you know that they'll, they'll be willing to spend two hundred million dollars making Lethal Weapon five. But they have a script in their drawer on a hard drive somewhere that's, you know, a completely new set of characters that could be a hit on the level of, you know, Lethal Weapon, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future. But they'll never try it because it's not already established. There are so many times I wrote I've written screenplays in the last decade where people were where people have been like, well, you know, maybe if we can make this fit into this franchise We'll have we'll have luck selling it, and I'm like, all right. Well, I mean, at this point, I'm just throwing my hands up and going, whatever, man. If that's if that's what it's going to take to get a, to get a story uh, to screen, that's what it's going to take to get a story to screen. But why does it have to be that? You know. Well, I just know that people from the ages of twelve to twenty-five, per se, anyone that's over thirty-five years old is old. It's only when you get older, past the twenty-five mark, that you realize that you know the age of da da da, the age, you know, the gap starts closing because you real, you know, as you as you experience life. But it's a bit like being at school when you're sixteen years old and you look at your teacher like they're fucking old, and then you realize mm-hmm. that he's only twenty-two years old. 
<laughs> you know, and it and you know it's their concept. So when they look at these old wrinkly people, whether it's Harrison Ford or something like that, and this is nothing against these actors, but they're old enough to be these people's grand great grandparents. Yeah, in their yeah. eyes. Well, you know, what you know, working with people who are you know significantly younger than me a lot of times. It's funny because the movies that we think are like standards that everybody knows, they never even heard of, or they heard, or a lot of a lot of the responses I get with with the younger generation with Star Wars is they've heard of it, but they've never seen it. So well, it has to be the simple. But then again, there's you know, viewing is totally different than what it than. I, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even think it's that because when I, I, I know, do, uh, the reason why I say that is because when you only have three to four channels or yeah. maybe or maybe more if you have cable, what you what you saw basically is that when you turn TV on, you kind of had to watch whatever was available, which kind of opened your mind up to a lot of different things. And whether it was on, you know, whether you, you know, you're stuck at home, you know, because it's raining and you're home alone, you're not, you know, you go to HBO and you just watch whatever pops up. Um, because you don't have a lot of choice or whether you're watching one of the New York stations or playing old Twilight Zone and I Married Joan and all the other stuff that they're playing, yeah. some old movie. So you would fall, uh, most of the stuff that I grew up with, I, I grew up, it's not because my parents made me watch it, because I fell upon it at some point in my life. Well, yeah, the discovery aspect is gone. But now we're in streaming. So basically you have to know what you're looking for to watch it. So you have to know what you want to watch and when you want to, you know, and how you want to watch it. And so that kind of sets things up differently because you don't longer fall fall across things. You kind of have to look for it. And it doesn't help that all your streaming stations really cater to a lot of newer stuff. I mean, if you want to look for anything from the 50s or 60s or 70s, you I mean, Netflix is not the place you're going to be looking. No, you're not going to find that stuff on most of these streaming services. Yeah. Joe, oh, I mean, Joe and I, yeah, Joe and I used to go to Max and we'd go to Leaving Soon. And they'd always put the Turner Classic Movie section at the very bottom, so that was that would be our always our go to, to to find whatever classic movies that, that they had on the streaming services. But I think uh, I mean mm. even if you think about it, thirty years ago, um, a lot of the, a lot of the people thirty years ago that were a little older than us, yeah, they might have seen a lot, they might have seen older movies, but in general, they weren't watching movies from the forties. You know, uh, you might have stumbled well, across them like you knew it's a wonderful life because it was on TV all the time. You know, you you knew you knew those you knew the basics. Uh, but I remember talking to people who were adults when I was a teenager and they'd be like, wait, is that from the 40s? I ain't watching that shit. So there's always there's always that kind of generational gap anyway. There's always yeah, the, the people don't want to watch anything, you know. Well, I mean, look at Monster Club. Monster Club, yeah. the Vincent Price movie. Yeah, I mean, most most people from the generation that the reason why they remember that movie because it was playing on cable over and over and over again. So people have this memory of it. Or in my where, case, it's the VHS box because I kept renting it because it was just like all these multicolored monster faces. I'm like, oh, what's that? Well, that's another thing in rental as well because you have to remember when you used to rent, you used to go to Blockbuster or your local video shop, and you would walk up and down the aisles finding what found you interesting. Mm-hmm. Now it's really difficult because it's totally, I mean, it's totally different now. When that's what they're saying, I'm looking for something on TV. I mean, I've are on streaming service, whatever it may be. So, what I do now is sometimes I spend five or six hours and I'm just putting things into my pile now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't do that, a lot of people don't realize they can make a list. 
And then when I get bored, <laughs> I just go to that list. But I find that, and if you talk to if you talk to normal people or other people who are just looking for entertainment for whenever they're free, a lot of times they go they'll be looking for three or four hours and that or two or three hours. By the time they get done looking, they don't want to watch anything and they just go to bed. And that's the kind of that. that so we're kind of in that. You know, it's a bit like if I'm looking for even new music, if I'm looking for new music at the moment, I have to know what I'm, I have to know what I'm looking for. I have to know exactly what I'm looking for and what to put in there. And even even if I want to buy, let's say I want to buy a Blu-ray or DVD, because let's say record shops and everything like that are kind of gone now. And video shops are kind of going past the waistline. So I'll go on to Amazon and I have to kind of know what I'm looking for. And even sometimes if I put punch in chucky tv you know i have to be i have to be precise it's put up in chucky and i'll get out of everything about chucky that might not even have to do with what i'm looking for and by the time i scroll through all that three or four pages of shit then i'm like okay this is what i want if i'm not more direct with what i'm searching for for instance well, they don't get they don't help you at all either with the search engines on most streaming platforms peacock is horrible max is horrible yeah it's i heard cer- peacock things were miss like you you would only find certain things if you misspelled certain words if you if you do like the first three letters of the world you have a better chance of finding it than you do of spelling out the entire word and god forbid things if it has enough uh, god forbid if it has the punctuation in the title oh yeah <laughs> you're screwed <laughs> yeah uh so joe what have you been up to um well i mean speaking of what we were just speaking about one thing that's helped me i every year around this time i start doing uh i start doing these watch list challenges for halloween because i've seen so many horror movies and i own so many horror movies that for me to pick for me to avoid the nonsense of oh what do i want to watch and scrolling along the shelf and i don't really want to watch that i i start doing these challenges which will give me a prompt every year around halloween It'll give me a prompt like uh, today. It's uh, watch a film from the Into the Dark series on Hulu. So I'm actually going to watch one you you suggested to me called The Body. So that's I'm going to be doing that later. Um, so I, I've, I've been doing that, and I started I started my watch list challenge for uh, for this year, which I'm just doing the 2019 Horror Hound watch list challenge while I wait for them to post this year's because every year Halloween begins on September 1st at midnight. No matter how much Sean disagrees with me. If the sock, if the socks on my feet have pumpkins on them, it's Halloween. I took you Either to see Trump. Rob Zombie. On, Halloween. Uh, it's Halloween. Okay. When it was Halloween. When Rob Zo- it is Halloween. When Rob, when Rob Zombie comes to town, Halloween is officially begun. Well, last year Rob Zombie came to town in August, so maybe we should start Halloween in August next year. We can't get too no? gritty. No. <laughs> but yeah, we that's that's we one can't of get the, too gritty. But that's one of the things I've been doing, and. Um, couple weeks ago i mentioned being up for a job and i i i still don't know how much i could say about what it is or what i'm doing but i did get that job i will basically it's going to be working for one of the uh one of the major shows that's on shutter right now um it's going to be a lot of formatting for the show it's going to be a lot of that stuff so once i'm all clear cuz they haven't even given me a title yet because uh by by t- they haven't come up with 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 a with a title for me yet, because basically, uh, yeah, somebody who is on the show, who is a major component of that show, is getting a lot of other work and needed to delegate some stuff. So, um, luckily, uh, luckily, they hired me to do it. I already started. I uh, I did a mock format for them, and they loved it so much that they went, "Hey, yeah, we're just going to use it." And now it's uh, 
I'll be brought on uh, for the next season. And yeah, once I once I have the okay, or once the first episode that I'm that I'm on airs and my credit shows up on TV, then I'll know it's clear for me to it's clear for me to talk about. So yeah, I started a new. I, I started that. I'm still working at the uh, still working at a bar. Still do you know? Still waiting tables. Still doing all that stuff. But this is a really cool opportunity that I'm excited about, and it's it all came about like it all like just went in like the course of like a week. It went from hey, would you be interested in this? To yes, I'd be interested. To them sending me, you know, um, an example and what they want me to do, and then me formatting their next, uh, you know, the 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 next episode that they needed to shoot. And a couple of days later, they were like, "Yeah, you're in. You're hired." So um, soon in the next couple months, or the next, yeah, I don't know, next couple months at the most, you'll find out what it is because at that point, the episode will air and my name will be on screen. <laughs> So, but yeah, I'm super, super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Well, myself, I haven't been up to a lot. Um, I got my retirement date. Woo, January oh. 8th. Yay, retirement. Nice. So, and Congratulations. Then yeah, we're moving at the end of the um, end of January. So we've moved to Dallas. So we got the dates now for that. So that's good. And I'll start my new job in February. So that's good. Um, so I'll be retired, getting my retirement money from this country and be getting my and we're working full time in it. <laughs> Yay. So, Wonderful. Uh, yeah. So um then um we've just been watching some bits and bobs and stuff like this. I'm watching Only Murders in the Building, which I'm really enjoying. Still haven't seen that. I've heard it's fantastic. It I've is. seen a few episodes. It's pretty good. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Steve Martin and Martin Short, even Selena Gomez, all excellent. Um the third season just started. So we're in the third season, which has Meryl Streep in it. And um Oh, Meryl yeah. Streep's doing TV now. Yeah, so she's in that. And um, who's the guy who plays that? Paul Reiser, not Paul Reiser. Um, oh, Paul Reiser was from Mad About You. No, the one who did um, Ant Man. Oh, uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Paul, Paul Rudd's, Rudd's, Rudd's in it. Third in it. season. Yeah. The second season had Shirley MacLaine in it, so that was good. Boy, she aged, but she's wait, still... this is the third season. Yeah, third oh, season. Wow. Yeah. I really got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> And we watched another great show, uh, an animated series that I've just caught up. There's three seasons of it called The Owl House on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, okay. Highly recommend it. It's a lot more mature than I thought it would be. I mean, it's made for children, and it's won all these awards. It's won a lot of gay awards as well. Apparently, it's quite um, quite very open about things, and maybe... And they let this girl basically do her own animation and let her do whatever she wanted. And it's it's fun. It's a really fun show. So we started watching that. Saw Megan. Enjoyed it. <laughs> I like <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I, mean, I enjoy it, Megan a lot. I think, I mean, the, the ending of it was typical. But I mean, I think, I don't think there's anything more you could done with it. So, you know, you kind of need that kind of ending. Yeah, I do feel like the third act is, uh, you know, it it, dra- it starts to drag a little bit because the the concept kind of wears thin. Yeah, and I kind of wish that people stayed dead in it. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of like, you know, when you got these people popping up that you thought were dead at the end, you're like, oh, what? <laughs> so and Sean, uh, Sean uh, brought it up to me before I even saw the movie. He's like, "There's this cop that comes in in the, the middle of the movie, has one or two lines, steals the whole movie, and then just disappears." I want I want that guy to be the official official Blumhouse mascot. Like every movie is tied <laughs> together with that guy just showing up at all these weird fucking crimes, just making <laughs> that's fucking weird, and then he just leaves. And that's it. That's all I want. <laughs> Perfect. 
be great. Ah, oh, that movie is a riot, and I can't wait for Mithrigan 2.0. That, yeah. that, what are they going to do when it gets to the third one? Because they already used the three, the, sti- the three stylized as an E. What are they going to do when they get to, to the third movie? It'll be Mithrigan, uh, and then it'll have a subtitle. <laughs> We're going to get to the subtitles. 2.0 will be your next one, and then it, it's it's there. It's obvious. Take it. It's mm-hmm. if they haven't already. And uh, yeah, for the third one, it's, you know, Mithrigan offline. Uh, at that point, she's she's off. She doesn't need to be or because uh, it feels like she, she's in the phone lines. They went with the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the lawnmower man ending. Yeah, uh, she's everywhere. So she'll follow her down to Florida because let's face it, that sh- that protective services worker is taking her the fuck away from yeah. <laughs> from from that aunt. Gonna jaws the revenge her, just follow her. I have to just say that that, fam- that family worker. I thought to myself, I was like, God, what a bitch. I was like, God, she's like, then it's like they moved the girl in the next day. The family social worker shows up and she's already critical. It's like, come on, she's overnight there. Did you, did you not want this? No, I didn't want my sister to be dead. I didn't want my. I, 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 I thought everyone's an asshole to this poor little girl too. Yes. Like, like uh, she's got all the the little girl pulls a toy <laughs> out. Just, no, don't touch that. That's a collectible. Yeah, but that little that girl little girl had problems way before she. Oh yeah, you're the little ma- Missy Madam as well. And by the way, let's talk about that toy. Let's talk about the initial toy that they were selling. That is the most ungodly, horrifying thing I've ever seen. With the gum gum line with the teeth and the bug eyes constantly going like that. It is the creepiest fucking toy. And it craps itself. And I I get what you're going for, but that is hideous looking. Is, is Rocky Horror Picture Show meets Teddy Teddy Ruxpin meets one of those birdies. It looked like a maybe like or whatever they're called. A melted Furby's- gremlin meets a Furby. Is yeah, yeah. that's kind of what it looked yeah. like. It was just with, horrifying. Uh, with raw um Rocky Horror picture lips. Yes. Just oh god. Hideous toy. So who would buy that? I don't know, but apparently it's a it's a top seller. In yeah, this and, world. And, yeah. I, I want as soon as I saw the Blu-ray drop to fourteen ninety nine a couple months ago, I was like, "Yes, mine." I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't gonna pay twenty seven ninety nine for it. Fourteen ninety nine, I'll do. Well, I've also been going through a horror classics. So I made Ferris sit through Texas Chainsaw Massacre one and two, which freaked him out actually, which is good. Oh. Um, it I doesn't just... help. It doesn't help that when he fell asleep, I kind of woke him up with an electric knife near his ear. But that was. Just cool. Oh my God! That actually reminds me. One year, my uh, my my you know my then girlfriend and I were helping out with this uh this Halloween uh attraction in Brooklyn, and um we found a chainsaw, and it was a real it was a real chainsaw, and it still had gas in it. It's just the teeth were gone. Uh, she didn't know that I had it in my hand, so she's setting up something else, like putting up some lights or something for the attraction. I found it. I'm like, oh. Oh, I just went up right behind her and I revved it up and she turned around and it hit me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I quite enjoyed Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I haven't seen it. I, I love saw both the movie yeah. I saw it the was movie great. when it first came out. I was living in Oklahoma and we were driving down, you know, and I went well, in the middle of nowhere to see it and kind of driving back. So kind of was a bit freaky because of that. But it, it holds up. I mean, Dennis Hopper is great. Dennis Hopper with the, with the, with the, the cha- when he goes into the chainsaw shop is one of the greatest things I've ever seen him do. 
It does kind of remind so me of the taste how Masker meets Blue Velvet. It kind of that. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer for Jesus. Frank Booth. This is what Frank Booth was doing before he settled down in suburbia. I always unabashedly love that movie, man. It's it's unironically. I don't know. It seems to be one that kind of divides people because there's people who really don't like it because it. But uh, it's the polar opposite from the first one in terms yeah, of it's, well, it's the it's it's the Joe Dante. It's he pulled a Joe Dante. Yeah, it's, because it, and I'm it's, a similar, sequel, I'm gonna, yeah. it's a similar situation because yeah. they were forcing him to make. He's like, I really don't want to make a sequel to this. And like, well, we'll fund you. You know, we'll fund these three or four other movies for you, but you have to give us a Texas Chainsaw sequel. So he's like, all right, well, I'm just gonna, you know, as the term goes, just gonna take the piss out of it, and it works, and it's so good. I it is the it is the Gremlins through the series, yeah. I kind of wanted a dead friend. I'd be quite have fun having that thing around, dancing around with it. <laughs> I, I, Bill Bill Mosley, I think, is the star of that show. Yes, that question. is Bill Mosley's movie. Absolutely, Mo- yeah, absolutely. That is Bill Mosley's movie, uh, and I think the, uh, the 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 body that they're carrying around, I think, is supposed to be the hitchhiker from the from the first movie. It is. It I don't is. think they've ever explicitly stated it, but I've always kind of felt like it was. Uh, nubbins. I, have yet, I have yet to tell Ferris that it's, I told Ferris when we were watching it that there's actually a true story that all this stuff really happened so I haven't told him the truth yet So <laughs> I mean in a way it's all based on Ed Gein yeah, yeah. so Ed you, ever, you ever want to bring him up to Wisconsin <laughs> I tell I I mean, I know that uh, we're going to plan on going to. Oh God, you just heard me. Um, it looks like um, when we move to Texas, we'll go to the because it's a restaurant now, isn't it? The house is so. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, is it still open? It might have shut down during the pandemic. I hope not. I've never uh, been there either. No, nah, I want to go there. It's not too far from Dallas, so. Yeah, it's uh, only only a few miles. Yeah. You know, so to make an outing between that and the Texas, the festival or else in Texas, we'll go to the local <laughs> place. So. So. But other than that, not a lot's been going on. It's just living life and probably water doodling all the day, really. So. And on that note, this brings us to Batman the Animated Series. Our first episode is I Am the Night. Batman falls to the depths of depression after Commissioner Gordon is shot by the Jazz Man during a botch raid. Batman was meant to be present but was delayed by thugs while playing his annual visit to the site of his parents' murder. But Gordon hospitalized and near death, a dark night becomes consumed by self-doubt. Only when the Jazz Man escapes custody and attempts to murder Gordon does Batman snap out of his funk. His spirit is fully renewed and he encounters a young man he'll probably given up hope on, now on the road to reform and grateful for Batman's intervention. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of I Am the Knight? I dug this one. It was an interesting take on the Batman morning uh, story that, that it, there's always been moments where Batman's reflecting on his parents. This one actually uh, had circumstances uh, from and, and consequences rather. Uh, 
he was mourning the loss of his parents when he should have been on a stakeout. And uh, in doing so, he ended up uh, causing Gordon to be shot. And uh, it's one of those things where um, to see the grief on Bruce, to see him want to renounce the Cape and Cal only to in the very next scene have Robin come and talk to him and be like, Hey, you know, we, we may, we, when you fall, you get up. That's a, he gives him that speech essentially. And, and Robin's going to go and save the day. And the way I interpret it is uh, Bruce doesn't trust Robin to get it right. So he immediately jumps back into the game. So no, this is my screw up. I will fix this. Can't have you screwing things up. And, uh, and he gets back to work. I, it, this felt like it should have been a two-parter. Mm. It, it really did, just because it felt like it, everything was resolved too quickly. And by the beginning of the next episode, Gordon's completely fine. Mm. And it's it felt like there was no real consequence to it. And yeah. I don't know. That's that's my only real like downside to it in terms of like performance. I thought it was one of the best that they've had. He got to see Conroy. He got, he got something to chew on a little bit with, um, with his depression over everything. Uh, the doctor that is, um, Dr. Thompson, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Thompson. It was nice to have her back to be alongside Lydia. him for this. Yeah. Lydia. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, overall, I liked the episode, but it was, I thought it would have worked better as a two-parter. I felt you're de- you're dealing with a little bit too much with just you know him renouncing the cape and cowl or him wanting to like throw it all away, and then two and a half minutes later, all right, I'm back. Yeah, you kind of nailed it because it, it does feel like it's just like this. Yeah, like, well, when when you said it's oh, and he's an existential crisis that's uh, that, that that that's cured in 22 minutes, and I'm like, well, you're we're. 14 minutes into the episode. So it's an existential crisis that's healed in, in eight minutes, apparently. Yeah. yeah like, like, like you just said a minute ago, it's, it's all, it's all too fast. It's, this maybe should have been, like you said, a two parter, because you could have had Batman kind of in the slump and that could be how you end the first episode and then come back. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why this one wasn't, wasn't a two parter. Uh, well, one I thing that helped, I don't think, I don't think the jazz man helped it. Every time I think jazz man, I think he should be doing a weak jazz. villain. It's a weak villain. So it's just too much gangster. Stronger, yeah. He might have been stronger yeah. in another storyline, but to, you couldn't really flush him out in this character, this situation. So basically he's like, okay, his name's the jazz man, but the question basically is, is like, okay. Why? I know he had musical puns that he had to use, but an everyday kind of gangster doesn't have a gangster. Yeah, he he's an he's another generic mob boss. Where we yeah. we have so many of them. How many generic mob bosses are there in Gotham City? This one looks like Jack Palance, though. Yeah, yes. he does, uh, <laughs> he does, these. I think Jack Palance was definitely uh, who they were going for with the character design. Um, I and I really enjoyed that. Uh, who voiced him? <laughs> Do you guys have that? I have the voice right here. Jasmine oh, so- was Brian George. Okay. I was uh, love Barbara Gordon having her appear because this is a forerunner to what we're going to get later on in our our season of Batman coming up. Because that was a nice touch to have her, and she's starting to get uh, you know thinking about it more and more. She's she's starting to see you know especially this might be the thing that drives her to it. You know, seeing her dad lying in lying in the bed, but it's one of those things where she's 
you know, someone should do something. Someone should do. She's getting to that point where you can see I'm going to be the one to do something. And it's nice that's that they're bringing her in gradually. I yeah. quite like that. Which I, and I have to say what I do like about the series is that Bruce is probably more human in this because I think we've all, I mean, I know myself, I wake up sometimes and I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I continuing? You know, when you fall, you find yourself falling into this funk every once yeah. in a while. And to have it on, and then, but it, but to tie this into the anniversary of the death of his parents, it kind of all makes sense. You know? Yeah, I do. I do like that it was a callback too. I, I do like that. Um, but I do wish they kind of. I kind of wish they kind of either brought a vill, uh, one of those maybe gangsters from the past and from the previous episode, and that way you wouldn't need a backstory for them at all, or. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he could use one of the bigger ones, like Joker or Penguin or one of those, but I think he could use one of the lesser ones that, you know, wanting to get retribution. Someone who basically had a history with Commissioner Gordon that we've seen in the past would have worked better, I think. Well, like, like maybe Rupert Thorne. Gordon put me in, yeah. you know, put me down until I have this personal vendetta. Yeah, where, maybe, yeah like a Rupert yeah. Thorne who we see later on. Yeah. Well, I think Rupert Thorne probably would have been too big for the storyline, but we have seen Commissioner Garden, you know, we've had seen, we've up until this point, we have seen Commissioner Garden put away some more petty criminals that would, that could have resurfaced for whatever reason. And that way, would... why, why does anybody ever go to Crime Alley? Like, why? <laughs> why go? <laughs> it's just there's something in the name. <laughs> Everybody always gets mugged in Crime Alley. Like maybe avoid nothing, Crime Alley nothing, when you're <laughs> nothing good ever goes down in Crime Alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like you know, swimming in Piss River. You just you don't do yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I can understand that. Uh, yeah, it's just going to Crime Alley. It's like okay. <laughs> Our next episode is Off Balance. While following Count Vertigo's trail, Batman encounters comes across a mysterious woman called Talia, who was seen by her father to prevent the capture of a sonic drill that the that Count stole from Wayne Enterprises. On their quest to stop Vertigo, Talia learned Batman's identity and they are forced to work together in order to fight Vertigo's effects. But the more they collaborate, the more doubts Batman has about Talia's loyalties. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Off Balance? I just kept thinking watching this one. This one is so fucking silly. <laughs> I mean, you're you're introducing you're introducing uh, you're introducing Talia, who is a major villain, but she's not the main villain here. She kind of has her little turn at the end, which, if you know anything about the Batman comics, you know is coming. I don't know, um, I'll, but then again, I'm watching this with 2023 eyes. I'm not watching this with uh, was it 1992 eyes. So who knows? I um the um the main villain, which is uh Vertigo? Count Vertigo. Count Vertigo, Count Vertigo, yeah. Is so goddamn silly. I mean it's <laughs> over, 
it's an over the top Nazi caricature with the you know the over the top German accent and the the castle with all his marching Nazi soldiers. It's, it's it was Bat it was Batman and Talia versus Castle Wolfenstein. Yes, is what it, is what it felt like. Yes, that's what this but, one felt like. But, but who voiced Vertigo? I I I, uh, I from Hogan's Heroes. It sounded like a Hogan's hero guy. It did. That's that's why I was like, this is so goddamn silly. Mike, it was uh, Michael York. Michael York was Captain. It was Vertigo. Michael York. It was oh, Michael York. You know what? I take back everything I said. This is great. No, uh, no. This is so silly. I, I love <laughs> Michael York because because he's able to just do this silly kind of thing and just be fine with it. I didn't realize it was Michael York, but yeah, no, Michael was... Michael York was that David Warner was Ray Al Ghul and Helen Slater. Supergirl herself was playing Talia Al Ghul. I I knew it was um I, I didn't know about Helen Slater. I know I, I recognized David. David I, I recognized David Warner immediately. Oh. Yeah, David Warner's got a very very um. Or well, Barbara, Barbara yeah. Gordon, Laura Ingalls, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Barbara Gordon, uh, I believe Melissa is Gilbert. Melissa Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Laura Ingalls. <laughs> yeah, Laura Ingalls. But so, um, yeah. I, yeah, I just thought this one was so silly. That that's just my takeaway from this one. There are parts I like of it. Uh, there are parts I did like of it. Uh, I like um, I like the introduction of Talia, because as we'll find out later on, Talia is in in, the, in this universe. Talia kind of she's not she kind of flits between on this balance of being good or bad. And at the moment, she's with her father, but I mean, she kind of goes back and forth about. It. So you're never quite sure what her where her allegiances lie. I know she her, her allegiance lies with her dad in this one, but there are other episodes that will come up where, you know, I mean, if we decide to do Batman Beyond, we find out that Talia has a child with Bruce. Uh, I was kind of like, mm, so, but I guess I guess what kind of makes this a bit silly is that you know they're they're with the the Lord of Shadows, yeah. And as we know, the Lord of Shadows is an important part of Bruce's training, isn't he? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, is he in this universe? In that, in this know. universe, he trained. He trained at a dojo in Japan. Okay, so it's not yeah. this universe. Okay, so I, I, I guess because I, I was kind of tying it in, I was getting confused with Batman Begins. I think the Christopher Nolan. Yeah, because in that, Rajah Ghoul is entirely uh, in the know, in. And in this version of Rachel, we're going to be dealing with Lazarus pits and and reincarnation and resurrection and uh, Talia. With Talia, it, she's a character. The the more and more her her dad decides to take a dip in the Lazarus pit, the more and more insane he becomes. Each dunk in the Lazarus pit, each resurrection, he becomes back more and more mad. The more and more that happens, the closer and closer she'll become with Batman. It's that's just inevitable. So I mean. I, I think right now she it's the this one was all about establishing the League of Shadows or they called it with the uh, the it wasn't the League of Shadows it was something the Society of this, Shadows. Uh, wait, hold up! I had it right in front of me here. Uh, this yeah, it was the Society of Shadows. Yeah, so the Society yeah the Society of Shadows and uh, they have uh, it was more about setting up that this is this clandestine operation that exists and some how did Count Vertigo take them? steal them from the ghouls or the al ghouls i i don't know uh how does vertigo that, working with them that didn't make the, that didn't make a lot of sense because vertigo's with the 
the shadows at one point. I, I'm yeah, guessing. Like, and then yeah. he got there, there was some implication that he was with them and he kind of splintered off. When pa- when Power Mad got his hypersonic uh, weapon, yeah, uh, yeah, and then stole the stuff from uh, Wayne Wayne Tech, the earthquake gun. But uh, yeah, and then, and then there's I don't know if they messed up here, but there's one point it's like, how did you get through the room with? And he goes, I closed my eyes, and then he turns it on him again, and you kind of thinking, why aren't you closing your eyes now? <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot. A lot didn't make sense with that. Uh, there was a lot that didn't make sense. I, well, I, I like yeah. the animation. I thought the animation was well. Oh, very, done. It was very like, cool looking. Yeah. Waving and all the other stuff, but it kind of had it's like a second-rate scarecrow. Who, I mean, I've had Vertigo before, and Vertigo's fucking horrible. But I, this didn't give me the feeling that I had when I when I when I had Vertigo when I used to get Vertigo. So. You know, maybe when if I was younger, maybe I would have thought something, but it just I thought introducing her was interesting, though she, she kind of reminded me of Red Claw as well. Like I Red Claw that, yeah. off it because they look the same almost, except I think Red Claw was a bit hippier. She yeah. was a bit more, a bit more drawn, a bit more voluptuous drawn than Talia. But I I think what I did like is. Um, when he's talk, when Raul Ghul is talking to his daughter, and I love the screen, the black and white screen while she's looking at the camera and her hair flying, it's just like, yay! Her plane. Well, that was a bit odd. So, but, there was a lot of stuff in this thing that was that was just kind of little weird choices here and there, but overall fun. It was a fun episode, but yeah, definitely a lot of uh, uh, not as good as the rest, and it is, it, it, and the character of Vertigo. I, I don't know. The last time I, I was thinking about it, and I thought it was because I remember the character being used on Arrow, and I was telling Joe who it was. I was mistaken about who played him, but in the and the episodes of Arrow, it was Peter Stormare who played the character of Count Vertigo. So the whole time I'm watching, that, I'm like, ah, you know, this. I character- could I could see Peter Stormare. Yeah, know. that's the thing. <laughs> just really having up Count Vertigo. Well, I guess Point. another thing is because he's got that on his eye, and you can see the strap going around his head, and you think, why don't you just take it off his head? <laughs> that throw, as well. throw a batarang, hit him in the side of the head. I'm sure you can knock it off. You got great aim with those things. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's <laughs> I, I guess that's probably kind of what lets it down. You just think, well, you could have you probably could have ended this in like in 10 minutes. So, <laughs> my question is: Did they kill Twist, the informant? Was he? Did they kill him? There was a line off screen that our yeah. special agents got to him. Oh, uh, okay. Because so, we, we this, the, the way this thing. episode started out, I was like, "Wait a minute! Did we just have a murder and two suicides <laughs> in a children's show?" Well, yeah. Well, the the two suicides ended up they just lost their memory, so I guess they yeah. went out. Yeah. A, they, in, yeah. By, take well, giving, by giving a death roll in their in their face, <laughs> yeah, the, their memories have been erased. Yeah, the moment the moment Twitch hits the water, he's dead. From yeah, that height, going yeah, into the dead. river, he's dead. <laughs> there was That's gonna feel like people thrown off at great lengths into like these great big like small bodies of water. I mean, le- I mean, I didn't know Gotham had its own Statue of Liberty. That was interesting, <laughs> but. I, also, I think one of them, I think, is it 
Batman or someone like that also falls into a great from a great height into a small piece of water as well, like a river. You're thinking, uh, with, with Batman, you could always make the case if he's got all that armor on underneath. You know, you could always make a case there, but it's still a flimsy case at best. Yeah, I'm trying to body just, would be wrecked. just great. Length, yeah, exactly. Your body's destroyed yeah. at that point. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, there's some odd choices here. So I think Tally was well drawn, and not, you know she she wears a little cat suit perfectly. It was a good introduction for her. Yeah. Sometimes I kind of wonder, but I think I know that when I've watched documentaries on the making of this series and stuff like this, that they there are some things that they would have difficulties with censors and stuff, and they would have to keep rewriting and rewriting. And I wonder if that this is maybe the problem with this episode, maybe because I think the, the the components are there. There's a there's a lot that unanswered or not doesn't seem to be slotting together as, like some of the other episodes do. And this I'm wondering one, if maybe that has to do with like sensors and stuff like that. That could be. That definitely could be. This one to me just came off like the campy 60s series, the way it was kind of portrayed with the over-the-top accents and all this other stuff. Like that's I, I don't know. This one felt like weird to me, like watching this one. I, <laughs> I just found this. Uh, Brad Ryder initially story, uh, storyboarded Twitch to be swept under a wave after being thrown from the statue. However, uh, uh, broadcasting standards and practices deemed it too violent. So there's a lot. Uh, there's apparently a lot. Uh, and Twitch uh, bears a uh, passing resemblance to Tim Burton. I didn't notice you, a, a passing resemblance to Tim Burton. Well, that, uh, but that, okay, hold yeah. on. Bruce, Tim Bruce, Tim, Tim Burton. Probably when Tim Burton's. Just before he stopped brushing oh, his hair. Okay, sorry, I'm, I, I'm I'm just reading this in real time. So uh, Bruce Tim mentioned that Twitch's appearance bared a passing resemblance to Tim Burton. However, the artist, the storyboard artist, said he based him off of uh, Dustin Hoffman's portrayal as Ratso in Midnight Cowboy. That I could see more. That I could oh, definitely okay. see more. So uh, from what I'm seeing, yeah, it seems like there were seen a lot of scenes that were cut uh, for um, for broadcasting standards and practices. So. Yeah, well, we, we yeah. get Woody. We get Woody Allen eventually too. So this is a, this is a, weird, uh, <laughs> a, a weird quadrilogy here because we we get uh we we get some Sid uh, the Squid animation. Yeah, Sid, Sid the, the Squid. Sid the Squid. I was looking at him like he's clearly based. Yeah, the, the way he talks is clearly. You know, Woody yeah. Allen or Sidney Lasik. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I could totally see Ratso Rizzo in in Twitch. That one I can see a lot more. Our next episode is The Man Who Killed Batman. While a third-rate mob stumble bob, bum, sorry, Sidney Debris, was acting as a lookout for drug runners, Batman surprised them on a warehouse roof. The two struggled, and Sid's bumbling caused Batman to pitch off the roof and into a shed of explosive gas. After ensuring fire, the only thing found was Batman's cape and cowl. It seemed Sidney had done the impossible and become the man who killed Batman. So, Sean, what are your thoughts on The Man Who Killed Batman? Ah, uh, Sid the Squid. 
Good old Sid the Squid. I like Sid the Squid. This is a uh, this was a fun episode. Uh, you have basically through bumbling around as a uh, lookout for a drug deal, um, Sid the Squid uh, accidentally kills, for lack of a better word, the bat. He becomes the greatest <laughs> uh, criminal in the history of Gotham. He, he put he's the man who puts away the bat. And he's this nervous, nervous schlub of a human being. Constantly. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, there, he is this nervous wreck, imposter syndrome. Ah, he's he's loving the fame. He's loving it, but then he's realizing, okay, well, who are these people that I'm getting closer and closer to? And when the Joker finally invites him out, or uh, after uh, uh, or getting him out of jail, and it is the first. Uh, Reveal of Harley Quinn's full name of Harleen Quinzel. The first mention of that is. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, uh, recently passed away too. Arlene Torkin, yes, recently yeah, passed Sorkin away. Recently passed. Yeah, rest in peace, Arlene. Um, she was. Uh, she helps get him out of jail as a, uh, uh, as the lawyer, and uh, takes him immediately to the Joker. <laughs> Oh God! Um, and, uh, she she may have once served Bullock with a very small subpoena. A very small <laughs> subpoena. Yeah. Uh, just the double entendres. I love. Uh, it's 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 it. Honestly, it was a it was uh, a fun episode. I like Sid's uh, apprehension to constantly being around uh, everybody but needing the, the criminals in order to get out he he has to find rupert thorne in order to escape the city uh the joker i mean he's he's loving the praise that he's getting him that he's getting from them but you could just tell the second the joker it, it, it will turn in a moment's notice and uh he kind of does uh it was at the at batman's funeral which he puts a uh <laughs> A kick me sign on uh, Batman's cape and cowl. Just that was a, a nice <laughs> Great touch. touch. Great touch. Um, and yeah, and the, and you see that he's in mourning that he thinks Batman's gone. He's like, "What am I going to do now?" Crime is no longer that. fun. That that was my favorite thing about the episode. Crime is no longer fun. There's no meaning. Why steal? There's no Batman. Who cares? There's no, there's no yin to his yang, and uh, he he uh, he needs that. It's just, it's just a function. It's kind of great. It's it's like that uh the Family Guy episode where uh, they have the uh they have Wiley e. Coyote finally catch the Roadrunner oh, and he God. eats him and then it's like well what now you know the rest of his life he's just like not he doesn't know what the hell to do with himself <laughs> he <becomes laughs> I mean, what do you do when you, what, what do you do when you finally catch your dream you just yeah. oh fuck and you I know, think you... it's great that we got to see you know Woody Allen and um, Martin do <laughs> <and Brett laughs> something working, working together for the first time ever. <laughs> Uh, and I, I, who who was the voice again? Because I, I I figured out who the voice was because it was um I, Matt I, at Frewer, first, huh? Matt Frewer. It was Matt Frewer, yeah. Because at first I thought it was the uh, the great character actor Sidney Lasik, and I was like, oh, maybe that's why they called him Sid the Squid because it was Sidney Lasik, and it wasn't. It's uh, it's Matt Frewer as the voice. Um, but yeah, this was this is one of the more fun episodes we've we've ever covered here. One of the better ones. Um. Which I find that when they go off the beaten path like this, like uh, the, the the other one with the uh, the villains uh, doing the poker game, uh, forget the title yeah. of that one. Uh, that was uh, last month. Oh, last, oh, 
Yeah, almost got them. These are some of the better episodes because they're just like, no, let's just play around a little bit. Let's just play in the sandbox. Let's let the Joker be go wild too, because both had the the luxury of having Mark Hamill giving them the freedom to just have fun with it. I, I, this is another one that I, I feel like w- could have done well to be to be a little longer because you could have gotten you could could have gotten could have gotten more of that rogues gallery in there, which you know would have been fun to see like the penguin and the Riddler and everybody else just kind of reacting to the Batman being dead. Um, my favorite scene is Harley Quinn playing Amazing Grace on the kazoo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It was a nice little uh, tribute to Star Trek Two. Uh... <laughs> As they push the coffin into the sewer, into the sewer and, system. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Mark Hamill was talking about this, and he was saying that, uh, that he was specifically mentioning the scene where he was giving the eulogy uh, as one of his favorite lines in the entire series. Well, that was fun. Who's the Chinese? And, and just, <laughs> but uh, it's a great line. He's, he said uh, both that scene and the line without Batman, crime has no punchline as being the most significant mo- moment to him finally getting the character of the Joker. Yeah, uh, it's it, it truly is. I mean, like that without one, there is no there is the other cannot exist and they need each other in order to survive. So he apparently would go on to perform the eulogy later at Star Wars Celebration. So this 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 monologue is definitely very special to Mark. Mm. Fantastic. I absolutely love this one. Yeah. It's a strong episode, actually. And even Sid the Squid, he did look like kind of like a Disney um, tortoise as well. You know, the tortoise that yeah. 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 pops up in animation every once in a while. Yeah, that tortoise foot kind of look for him as well. Yeah, I, 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 I love it. I mean, they did foreshadow this kind of in the, the first episode of this quadrilogy where Batman's talking to Robin and he does say, you know, who knows? It could be the Joker. It could be the Penguin or it could just be some guy who just gets lucky and takes out the bat or whatever, whatever the line was. So it was kind of in there. It was, it was, it was kind of foreshadowed. And you get this, you know, short squat, nebbishy, you know, <laughs> Nebishy criminal who's very very unsure of himself uh accidentally accidentally kill uh kill batman it kind of uh it was almost like like childlike his reaction to it like whoa like there was uh there was a time a couple years ago before i put all this weight back on where i was uh my nephew was four years old and we were we were play wrestling in the uh play wrestling in my brother's living room and he he did something like 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 he was going to slam me and I threw myself across the room and he looks at me and he goes, Whoa. And that's kind of the, the childlike thing that I saw in Sid the squid when, uh, when he see what he sees what's happening to Batman. And I love that from, from, from below he's tripping and falling into Batman and from below, the gangsters are looking up, and they're like, "Whoa! Hey, look he's at actually, Sid! He's fighting the Batman! He's actually getting some ground on the Batman!" Way to go, I'm, Sid! Absolutely perfect because it didn't take itself too seriously, and yeah, it's funny that I thought the previous episode was sillier than the episode that's actually kind of meant to be silly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Our next episode is Mudslide. Clayfish, or Clayfish, Clayface is falling apart, literally. His clay-like body is virtually disintegrating. Fortunately, Stella Bates, a woman scientist he knew from his movie star days, tries to stabilize mass decaying form by using a rare isotope stolen from Wayne Enterprises. The irony being that Bruce Wayne would gladly help if given the chance. But Clayface is too hateful to yield and winds up falling into the sea where he dissolves into nothingness. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Mudslide? Um, when looking this up, Sean had mentioned that this is the the last appearance of Clayface until uh, you know the later the later series, the Adventures of Batman and Robin, the new the new Adventures of Batman, well, yeah. the new Adventures of Batman and Robin, new Adventures of Batman, the new Batman Adventures, technically, or whatever season. the hell it is. At this point, we're so like seven, inter- seven where, iterations, where, where whatever all it the, is. All the animation gets a revamp at that time as well. Yeah. So. Uh, whatever the hell it is. So I was kind of disappointed. And then I, you know, in thinking about it, I was like, okay, I always say with movies, you, you know, you can't judge a movie by what you think it should be. You can only judge it by, you know, by where it lays. Fine. Um, I, I, I was kind of hoping and I didn't realize it, it, it was later in the video games that Clayface kind of became the, the old classic movie monster with all the classic movie monster references. And here we didn't really get, that much of it like i was constantly hoping for like you know references to like boris karloff movies you know throughout them uh throughout the uh the uh the run of the character we didn't get any of that but i realized i shouldn't set expectations for a character that you know was changed later on so i can't judge it by what i wanted it to be uh that being said i still found it a little i still find clayface to be a little disappointing here because i feel like there's so much uh, more that they could have done with the character over over the course of the series, and you know they they only did what like I, I think it was just this and the two parter feet of clay. Is that it? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's like it. we until like the new we, adventure Batman Adventures. Yeah. We could have you know we there, there definitely could have been so much more done with this character, and I I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get a lot because this could have been a chance to you know. Um, because it seems they love doing the old monster and old sci-fi movies um, on the show. There's constant references to uh, to a lot of these things. And I felt like this could have been something where they could have uh, they could have done more with him. They could have done an episode where he, you know, he's this old James Cagney type uh, type uh, uh, type gangster, you know, because Warner owns all those movies anyway. Um, but as far as as far as this episode, it's I don't know. I found I found it a little dull. I found it a little boring, um, especially following the man who killed Batman, which is just such a great episode all around. That um, I, I just kind of felt like this one was kind of lacking a little bit. Like that, like the, the we had already peaked, uh, you know, before this one started. Um, yeah, I kind of looked at this episode a bit differently. I kind of looked at this as Clayface is a reluctant villain. He doesn't want to be a villain. Which is often the best kind of villain. Um, and he, and for me, I found, I found Clayface kind of sad. That the whole situation was kind of sad, and he wasn't. I'm, you know, he's basically, you know, Batman kind of says it's like, you know, he's stealing because his treatment is costing a lot of money. He needs it for his treatment. Oh, I can save him. And of course, Clayface turns against it. But, you know, the thing is, he gets the isotope, which is going to help get him back to normal almost it looked like it was that was going to help him look more normal again 
Um, he steals the stuff from Wayne Enterprises, and I got a feeling for me, Batman ended up looking like a dickhead because as he's yeah through, he shuts it off. It's like, why don't you just let him continue? If you want to arrest him later, go for it. But at least he's gone back to normal. But he refuses. That's true. He said, he said he's going to help Clayface. He refuses to help Clayface. That by the end of it, when it came down to the matter, where he's like, "Oh, his face is coming. I'm coming back. I'm going to be back to my normal self." He shuts the machine off, and then he kind of just cramps off and just kind of commits suicide. Like, what's it worth? What? what why should I even bother? And, and in the case of Clayface, wouldn't you want him to be a human instead of a monster, where you have to keep him in weird, some weird supermax, where you you can't. You, I mean, like he could easily break out of it. He could slip through the bars of a prison. So I mean, like you're gonna have to create a special cell for someone like that. You you would want him back in human form. Well, uh, I saw you, right. when she's crying and seeing him doing the movie. I saw that as like she remembers what he used to be like, and this is what he's become, and that's yeah. why she's. Yeah. And you see that that's what I'm talking about. They could have done more stuff like that that I thought was really effective. And I love the idea of this woman who you know, knew him back then. And you, you, you see it a lot of times when, uh, when an actor, you know, when like a, an actor who is, you know, well-known kind of starts to, starts to hit hard times. You do see these people come out who remember them for who they were and, you know, want to reach out and want to help them in the hopes that, you know, I can bring them back to glory, which is, which is why the Stella character I'm absolutely fine with. Um, I just feel like this this series could have used more stuff like that, and it could have exposed it could have uh, not exposed, but uh, but examined their relationship a little more. Uh, I think. With, I think the problem with this episode is Batman. Well, that's yeah, because yeah. like you said, he he does end up being kind of a dick in the end. Because yeah, why wouldn't you just if you if you were willing to help him anyway, why not just let him uh, finish the treatment? And, and that, from what we saw. Clayface hasn't really done anything bad. Bad. What was his? What was his crime? Okay, he made he he stole. He did a robbery at the beginning, which is you know, so something that he's going to use to make himself normal again. It wasn't his like the treatment's really expensive. So okay, that's like a guy stealing bread to feed his family. So that kind of yeah. So for Batman saying that that kind of sets it up that way. Then he goes to Wayne Enterprises after Batman said that he would help him. So he goes to Bain, Wayne Enterprises to steal the isotope that he needs. So, so then when Batman shuts it off, it's like, well, he just stole stuff from you to help himself to become normal. And you, then you said you were willing to help him. I, yeah. So maybe it's just the moral of it. Like if you would cut, I mean, I, I guess that's what it is. Uh, it's the I moral of how you, you come to me. me down. Had you come to me, I'd help you. Had you come to me, I'd help you, and you decide that, to go around that, me. That's still kind of weird. That's kind of a thing like, um, you know, let me help you. So therefore, it's like I can say that I helped you. Yeah, it does come I'm off saying, that way. It does come off yourself, that way. Maybe. I guess, you know, and I guess that, you know, and that that's, I think that's what kind of off tilters this a little bit. So when Clayface goes, I was I was kind of sad that he's gone, sort of thing. I felt I felt sorry for him. I mean, I felt I felt sorry for Feet to Clay because he was in a situation that basically because he couldn't pay off a debt for his transformation thing. Yeah, they basically the mob basically went to kill him. He ended up surviving through weird weird circumstances, and he became who he is. Maybe that's so maybe they, we don't know what, where he's been at this time. We know that he dressed got as a woman, so dressed as a woman to get away. 
That's the last time we saw him. Now we got him back, and now it's like he's on death. He's on, you know, he's desperate man, and he's fallen on really, really hard times now. Maybe that's maybe that's my issue with this. Is that I feel like they could have they could have done more episodes. Like maybe it's more finding out that this is the end of the the end of the character, basically. For yeah. now, maybe that's that's what's kind of soured me on this. Is I'm like, this is a character that you could have done so much more with, and I don't understand why we just cut it off at the knees here. Because this is a character who could have done a lot of fun stuff. It's a character that you have, um, you have the ability to um, to get some emotion. You have ability. You have the ability to get you know the moral messaging across. Like uh, you know, I, hey, look, if I was starving and I didn't have any money, I'm sure Sean would gladly buy me a sandwich. But if Sean turned around and I used his credit card to order Uber Eats without him knowing. He's going to be pissed at me for ordering Uber Eats, and he probably would have just been like, no, dude, I would have bought you that sandwich myself if you had come to me. And I feel like that's that that's that's the whole that's the whole issue I feel like with uh with Bruce and with Bruce slash Batman in this. So you do have a chance to make those moral those, those kind of moral um uh those kind of moral messaging stories with him. So I, I think that's why I'm kind of like, this really could have been so much more, and I feel like they just completely uh, completely wasted what could have been a great character on only three episodes totally yeah. and, and, and maybe and maybe that's that's why like this whole episode i think felt that way to me because i'm like well it's like on. a life it's like a de- life and death situation so therefore you kind of have to look you kind of have to explore that a little bit more i think yeah it's, i feel like there's so anyway. much in this character that they could have explored so much more and they did it like a throw as they did like a, it's almost like a throwaway comment. Yeah. And I think that might maybe that's why I'm I'm kind of sour on this episode where maybe had it been, you know, something where, you know, I know Clayface could come yeah, was coming back, maybe I wouldn't feel uh I wouldn't feel this way towards it. Maybe I would have been a little it, bit more. I'm wondering yeah. why it is. Maybe maybe it was uh Ron Perlman just didn't have uh, any availability. Uh, they and they just didn't want to go with a different voice actor. Uh, Maybe they did run out of ideas for it. Like, what else was Ron Perlman doing at this time? That was because Beauty and the Beast is already over. Um, He started working with Del Toro, but I don't think he was doing anything like massive yet. Like Hellboy was. Hellboy was still a long time away. Yeah, Yeah, Hellboy was a long time away. Uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy was a long time away. So I don't know if that's the thing because they probably could have gotten Ron Perlman kind of easily. Alien Four. Alien Four was ninety. Yeah. He was but, doing he was doing Batman uh, the New Adventures of Batman or the New Batman Adventures around the same time. That was like 97 98. Yeah. So, so I mean the... So yeah, it's not like Ron Perlman. I mean, Ron Perlman was a working actor, but it's not like he was like a superstar at this point that was like getting like into like a ton of movies. So I I don't think it's that they, you know, they they didn't think they could bring back Ron Perlman. It's got it must have been something else. Maybe they just didn't know where else to go with him. Well, awesome. but, it might, but might I, have been might have been simple fact that I think the animation for Clayface is quite expensive. That could be it. I mean, I, I will. I, will I, know, give... I know when they did the feet of clay when they're doing all the when he's, when he's, when he doesn't have control. I know that was really expensive to have that animated because they saw that there's a commentary on that where they're talking about how I, how it, how it was so impressive, but they paid a lot for that to be done that way. They were totally surprised by how I... animation did it. I will give this episode credit for uh, having the darkest ending that we've ever seen so far. You know, you get Clayface falling into the water. You see him kind of, 
you know, dissolving and you have Stella crying by the river. No words are spoken. It just goes right to the credits. Yeah. Uh, with the implication being, yeah, that's it for Clayface. I think, and this is where I think that it would have been nice if they changed the ending credits music to so it's the same theme, but just a little bit softer. Something, yeah, something more somber, maybe. Yeah, yeah, something more somber would have kind of given it a bit more because all that, like, whoa, <laughs> that, that, that was that was a joke I made last night. As soon as it was over, and I started humming the da 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 da, like. <laughs> Because I'm like, it's just ending so quietly and so yes, yeah, so, Eddie so Elfin kicks in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I mean, we uh, well, you know, as you probably heard with our opening sequence, we got the new Batman theme now, so we're no longer using yeah. the Elfin theme because we're using the one for when we because we're going to be going into the new adventures, aren't we? Or the many adventures or yeah. Batgirl, all that sort of stuff. But um, which has a different theme, which is Shirley Walker, which I think. I love Shirley Walker. I got nothing but great things to say about her. But um, so, yeah, I think it would have been nicer if they kind of slumbered it. I think they just, you know, the simple fact when Batman turns it off, all you really need to do is Shirley goes, you know, but we're saving his life. And he go, and then he could have sit there and goes, well, you know, and they had like this dilemma and then whether he turns on the machine or not, but he can give the reason why he's not or the reason why he is turning on the machine. And that would give you the payoff. He just shuts it off like it's cold-hearted. It's just something cold-hearted. Yeah. And Batman's about saving. And he, and, he, and how many times have we seen him, even when the Joker's like doing horrible things to him, and he goes to save the Joker and he falls into the river and all he's left with the card, but he still feels guilty about... And here, we don't get any guilt from him whatsoever. We don't get anything from him, really. Like, and and this guy really is a you know as Curly Howard used to say a victim of circumstance. So he truly is, <laughs> absolutely is more so than any bad villain. I'd I'd say he's the most one of the most tragic. And so. he and he's more tragic than Two Face. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Two Face had his had, had his rage, uh, his uh, duality issues with his. Uh, but also at the same psyche. time, Clayface does because you do have Batman telling him, "I'm willing to help you," and he still chooses to do this as a crime. He doesn't. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But, but the thing is, is I mean, it, I guess pride comes before the fall. You don't want some. You you know you don't want well, to have somebody help you. But but another thing is, is like, how's Batman going to help him? I mean, it's it's not like Batman went up to him because I'm going to. I mean, I guess I'm. You know, I've seen to be on the side of Clayface here, but it's not like Batman said, I'm going to help you when Clayface wasn't doing anything wrong. It's after he's running away from yeah. Batman, after he's robbed somebody, he goes, oh, I can help you. I'd be If I'm robbing away from a robbery, someone says, I'm going to help you after chasing me because they want me for my crime. I'm probably not going to. Tr- it's like, yeah, right. You just want to catch <laughs> me so you can throw me in jail. Yeah. You know, you're vigilante who, you know, breaks us down. But if he'd said, you know, if he found Clayface, let's sit there and say they changed it around a little bit, and Batman comes across Clayface because I want to help you, and then you got Clayface going, you know, I don't need your help or whatever like that, and then he robs somebody, then he robs, that would have set the whole story up a lot slightly different. That's also true. The way it's put together, it's kind of like, well, you kind of set yourself up in a weirdly weird thing. And then you got and then, and then you even got like Batman going. Well, he wish he could help Clayface. We don't want Alfred's 
polishing two faces big penny there um which i'm sure it changes to a quarter at some point but the penny here so i don't know if it does in later episodes i don't know I think it turns silver at one point. Isn't it silver? Or maybe that's maybe in the games or something. It might be in the games, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it stays a penny. It does stay a penny? So, um, and then, you know, so you got on the sequence and then, you know, steals a thingy. And then we got, you know, and then Batman shows up. So kind of like, so kind of wondering why, why Batman's saying this to Albert. Alfred to begin with, like, oh, da, 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 da. and then he says that we're going to help him. And then he doesn't help him at all. So it's really kind of hard to figure out where, what what the inclinations were for this. You know, I mean, it would have been better if the isotope, you know, the isotope doesn't work and he just kind of melts away. And then Batman, you know, let's sit there and say the isotope doesn't hold holds him together, gets the normal, and then for some reason he just goes to mush, literally. Yeah. And then and then Batman goes, I could help if he came to me. We could have we. We we would have the technology to fix. We could have fixed him. Yeah, we could have done something. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, like that. Totally different. And then you would have that. You know, you still have your same ending and stuff like this, but you just play it slightly different. I think that's what. Yeah, but is. I think at that point, then you'd have to be admitting he was dead, and that probably would have gone against standards and practices. Well, if he just if he just turns the mush and it goes into the, it just slides into the ocean i mean you'd leave her crying it's i mean you have you have the same ambiguous ending that you have now i mean he could still i mean he could he could still pull the silt from the, the riverbed and probably still become himself again who knows but we're not yeah, quite... yeah but but i think if, if you have batman say that line then you have the finality which maybe is not what they wanted yeah. it certainly would make batman look more compassionate it's kind of uh, you know uh, it's kind of like uh, kind of like Frankenstein, where you know the the, the scene where he throws a little girl in the lake because he thinks she can float and she just falls right through. And you, you know, when they cut it out, you just see the monster just you know playing with the little girl. Then you cut to the father carrying the corpse. Now it becomes more sinister by omission yeah. because yeah, this this makes Batman look like an asshole now. You, it makes yeah. Batman look like he doesn't yeah. care. Whereas that line had that been in there. Would have added the finality to the to the character, but at the same time, would have made Batman more compassionate towards him. And you could have that that could have had that whole feeling of Heart of Ice play out. Yeah, yeah. If they played it right, it's just kind of. I think they missed the beat somewhere. So. Before we go any further, let's. Who's our favorite character and our least favorite character? Starting with you, Sean. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think my favorite character will be Sid the Squid. It's just so different than everything else uh, that we've had on the show before. He stands out and in, in for all the right reasons. Uh, just just a very fun character to have, and at the end he gets the Saul Goodman ending as he goes gets to. In his eyes, right off into the sunset, into the beat and be the king of the prison. So it's good for I, him. 
I don't know. Like like you said last time we watched the episode, I don't know that he's going to be the king of the prison. He's well, that's the thing. In his, that's how the He'll get his 15 minutes of fame. Let's put it that He'll way. get his 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> but here's the, I, I did mention this to Joe last night. He's, he's, he's shanked. He's yeah. dead within 15 minutes because the Joker, yeah, the Joker is going to go to Arkham. Rupert Thorne is going to be in the same prison as him. Yeah. And, and I don't think uh, as if, if you have two kingpins, only one of them is actually the kingpin and the other is, well, Sid the Squid. Yeah, Sid the Squid's going to tur- be turned into calamari before the end of the week. Unless he unless he just magically just magoos himself like, <laughs> like he did this entire episode into, into actually being the king of the prison, which might be a, which might be an interesting follow-up if they ever did it. Like everyone just keeps coming after <laughs> keeps coming after him and he just keeps getting ahead somehow. <laughs> I think I think I think he's gonna get Jeffrey Dahmer in prison. I think. Mean, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not gonna be a good ending for Sid. Yeah, it's not gonna be good. Uh, yeah, but in terms of protective uh, custody, I like to believe he will. I like to believe he'll be fine. Everyone just keep keep coming after him. He'll stumble stumble onto something that'll that'll take off Rupert Thorne's head. And he'll just keep going. Three Stooges uh, way his way through. Prison. Yeah, yeah. It's just, gonna be like it was, it's just gonna be like police academy. Anyone who gets near him is just gonna die. He's, he's backward. <laughs> yeah, he's he's backward from police he's academy. Backward. He's uh, Rupert Thorne's gonna be coming after him. He's gonna stumble over over a ladder and knock out a paint knock a paint can on his head and fall down Rupert an Thorne's elevator shaft. Be yeah. back there, like just, yeah. just waving his hands around, not being able to see, falling down an elevator shaft or something. Yeah, and that's it. He he's now the man who killed Rupert Thorne too. I mean, for, oh, it'd be a great story for, we for good old this Sid the Squid. Between, <laughs> between this and I, I while, while watching the first episode, I thought of this uh, thought of this funny funny idea. If you had this guy who's like this criminal mastermind, or at least he thinks he's this criminal mastermind uh, in, in Gotham, and he's he's about to commit this crime, and like there there's this shadow that looms over him, and he thinks, oh my god, it's the Batman. And then he comes to the realization, shit, it's Robin. Bat- Batman didn't even bother coming after me himself. He sent Robin. Robin? <laughs> and Robin said, yeah, Batman's out dealing with the Joker somewhere. I'm not good enough for Batman. I get Robin? I'm not even good oh. enough for Batman to come after me. It's Robin. And he gets that existential crisis. You got the female Robin. Then you then you know that you're... <laughs> Was there a female Robin? Yeah, Harry Kelly. That's right. Yeah. There was. I remember it yeah. briefly in like the early nineties. It was a female Robin cartoon, uh, not cartoon, uh, comic book series. Yeah. Wow. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, the hair, same hairstyle as um, Velma. <laughs> <laughs> She's a ginger Velma. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember she was just. It, it, it was the same. The same like top as Robin, and then like just a skirt instead of uh, instead of pants. Like I remember now. I think she went back to the fairy boots as well. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure there was fairy boots in there as well. Yeah. I probably have that comic book somewhere. Like I remember buying uh because it was the number one issue, it was the first issue. And that was back in the days when uh we thought everything if it was this, if it was the, the first issue, it's gonna be worth money. And she, <laughs> and she wasn't pretty, and they didn't draw her very pretty, did they? So I don't remember. <laughs> they, I don't I don't believe they were kind. I, I do not believe they were kind. See. Uh my least favorite character, I guess, would be Count Vertigo. Either Count Vertigo or uh, the Jazzman, just because it, they both kind of feel like generic villains of the week. Probably of the two, I like uh, probably the Jazzman. 
I don't think I don't think Count Vertigo is um is generic. I just I just found him silly. Jazzman would probably be more generic because, like Keith said, you could have done you called him the Jazzman. You could have done something to you know for no pun intended to jazz him up. You could have done something to make him uh to make him you know more memorable. But instead, yeah, it's just it's just somebody drew Jack Palance. I have to sit there and say that when I when I was reading the synopsis for the episode, and every time I mentioned Jasmine, I wanted to put I wanted to go like with the jazz hands, go Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> like if you would have done something like that, or you know, like done yeah, something, but it had that kind of feeling like jazz hands. You know what I mean? It's, it's like <laughs> it on. I mean, it would it would have been campy as hell. Like that's something that would have yeah. fit into the nineteen sixties uh, series. Like you know you. Br- <laughs> It's like it's like being run over by a smart car. It's just embarrassing. It's like who are you go by, like you're in heaven or heaven or hell, and like who are you were murdered by. I was murdered by Jazz Man. That's just embarrassing. It's like, <laughs> a very good name. It's kind of it's you know what I mean. It's kind of like it's like something like some some like really bad dweeb has come up with like some kind of nickname for somebody, and it's just not just, a good. One. You know, that, that could have been the, the the head of the band school kids in Halloween Ends, the Jazz Man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just a lead nerd. Yeah, just <laughs> those band school oh. kids. Yeah, yeah the band. He, he was he was just a band school reject. Uh. All right, guys, we're we're gonna have our meeting in five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ghost uh. of Jack Palace is gonna kick my ass tonight. <laughs> he goes to jail. Oh, he goes to jail because he's, you know, he's he's basically, you know, kidnapped the Manhattan transfer. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, who's your favorite and least favorite, um, Joe? Uh favorite would favorite is kind of a toss up because it's either Sid the Squid or the Joker. Uh probably I'm probably leaning towards Joker because every moment that Mark Hamill is on screen in that episode is just pure gold. Um, just everything about him just works. Uh, Mark Hamill just is fe- phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal doing the voice here. Um, oh, sorry, didn't realize I was turning the light. Um, my least favorite, like Sean, it's kind of a toss up between the Jazz Man and um, uh, and uh, Count Vertigo. Uh, Count Vertigo at least has as silly as I found it at least has something that sets him aside from being another, you know, mob boss of the week. Cause we've had like what five or six of them so far. And there's only been like two of them that have actually like stood out. It was uh Rupert Thorne. And um, there's another one that, uh, uh, oh, Falcone or Maroney. Yeah. Or... Fal- well, Falcone, Maroney, Marconi. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's a million of these guys. And do we need another one? You know, we could have we could have slotted in any any of the other ones because there's so many that even just showed up for one episode and then were never seen again. And this was just had there been some kind of gimmick to the jazz man aside from just being called the jazz man, I probably it, it would have been campy as hell, but at least it would have been something to kind of set him apart. He just comes off as just another 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 crime boss, you know, that just that, you know doesn't really stand out so i think maybe maybe yeah it's probably the jazz man because it's as as silly as i found uh count vertigo with the the over the top uh, over the top german accent and his nazi soldiers in his uh in in his gothic castle i 
<laughs> there's, so, panache. There's, there's panache there yeah there's, so, there's something there to, to set him apart a little bit <laughs> the jazz man yeah he was I, he was just the weak part of it or maybe robin because robin literally again does nothing at least or at least in this one he doesn't fuck anything up in this one he just show, he just shows up he either just shows up or he just comes or he shows up and messes something up in this case he didn't mess anything up so i guess maybe but even then, I forgot he was in the episode be- until I just mentioned it now. So, yeah, maybe Robin. I changed it. Robin, because he does nothing. He serves no purpose. There's no purpose to Robin in this episode. Aside from a fucking pep talk. And why would you call him in? Up until this point, anytime you've called in Robin, he's only made things worse. <laughs> They're like, if anyone's going to be able to do this. It's gonna be Robin if it needs to be able to talk him. That eh, was an audible by Alfred. You but, know. It's like, but it's but it's like Sean said. Maybe maybe that was the maybe that was the point. Maybe Alfred was smart enough to play 3D chess and realize if I have Robin tell him I I, I can take care of this. Bruce will stand up and go. Wait a minute, no, hold up. Get no way, it's no way. No he can fucking do it. way. <laughs> maybe that maybe that was Alfred's plan all along. Robin, this is my mess. Get off the bike. He's playing 4D chess. <laughs> Alfred's just ahead of him. Alfred's just smarter than all of us. Like, oh, what am I gonna do to get to get Bruce to get, get Bruce to come back? Ah, Robin, tell him you'll just handle this. Wait, no, the hell you will. <laughs> you'll probably tri- <laughs> you'll probably trip over the life support and kill Gordon. No. Well, my favorite character is a toss-up between Sid the Squid and I like Clayface because Clayface actually made me feel something. I actually I felt really sad for his. I kind of understood his plight. So, um, and my least favorite is gonna be Jasmine. I, I mean, at least Count Vertigo. Or at least I remember Count Vertigo. Jasmine. Yeah. If you ask me next month, I'm not gonna remember that Jasmine even existed. Um, yeah, the, the, basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I maybe I've, you know, I said before, I think if they found uh, one of the gangsters from earlier who wasn't a main villain, but they could have found one of the lesser ones who had a, who could have had a beef against Commissioner Gordon, which would have made more sense, and it would have brought the story all together because be like, oh yeah, I remember da 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 da. Instead, you have like this kind of made up backstory that you know nothing about, and he's boring, so. your favorite episode of this block starting with you joe uh the man who killed batman easily it's it's just fantastic it's so much fun um episodes like this like i said when they go off the beaten path like this i just find them so much fun that i um yeah like the god how do i keep forgetting the uh the previous month's uh episode the one with the poker game uh i almost got him that that one in this i think they're both by paul dini too I think you might have written both of them, but I love these off the beaten path episodes. Um, I, I think they're they're so much fun and they add so much to the series. I um, absolutely love uh, the man who killed Batman. I got a feeling that uh, I shouldn't say too much about it because I got a feeling that there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be more talk about this episode. <laughs> but yeah, that that would be the one. What about yourself, John? Uh, the man who killed Batman. 
easily the best one of the four. Uh, just a fun, fun episode. Uh, you have Mark Hamill running wild as the Joker. And uh, anytime you mentioned uh, the day the clown cried and managed to f- slip that into, a, into yeah. a, a script, I'm completely cool with that. So definitely the man who killed Batman. And I'm going to agree with that as well. The man who killed Batman is the one for me. So... Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next week, we'll be carrying on with our two-for-one, which will be Dark Families. We'll be covering the 1970 film Puffin Stuff and the 1980 foil film The Neverending Story. Of course, Anthology starts. Um, that will be doing Fantasia from 1940 and Fantasia 2000, released in 1999. <laughs> Bit confusing there. And, of course, Doctor Who will be continuing with The Web Planet and The Crusades, both aired in 1965. And as the Crusades is no longer available, and they'll just be covering notes from that. They'll be also covering the Doctor Who and the Daleks of Peter Cushion from 1965. And, of course, Make Remake will be continuing, which will be quarterly. We'll be doing Beauty and the Beast from 1991 and 2017 Remake. And our next books of screens is Coraline by Neil Gaiman and the 2009 film, which is Stop Motion from the same people who brought you Nightmare Before Christmas. And our next Batman anime series will be covering Paging the Crime Doctor, Zantana, The Mechanic, and Harley and Ivy. So it's good night for myself and good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Oh, good night, everyone. And see you next week for Puppet Stuff. Now the floor is caving in. Mm-hmm. Look at all the time you wasted. You were way too scared to face it. If you told me at the start, then maybe But you took it too far, too little, too late Too much to call a mistake Now even when I look you in the eyes, I don't recognize you Too long, too broken, too changed To go back to the same place Now even when I look you in the eyes, I just can't decide if I can
It's all off bad.